Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams, recording this on a Monday from downtown Cleveland. I'm joined, as always, by beat writers Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. My friends, how you two doing today? Victory Monday edition here on the uh, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're great. It's Steelers week, so we're everybody's excited in town. Yeah, a lot to get into. Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, Browns beating the Dolphins yesterday on Sunday, um, and then get into everything involving the rematch that uh, seems like it just happened because it really just did. Um, but they're playing twice in three weeks, so a lot to break down here. Um, let's get right into it. Let's talk about this rematch and everything looming around it. I mean, there's just so many ways we can go with this, with the wild card spots on the line, uh, really loser this game. Uh, their season's over as far as playoff chances, uh, all the FBI and, uh, you know, the New York Times site and all that. You can see that loser this game, their playoff chances dropped almost single digits, uh, not to mention Mason Rudolph and the, everything still looming from that so let's just jump into it um dan what stands out to you in this rematch what are you most looking forward to i think it's going to depend on if mason rudolph plays or not i think if he plays that ratchets it up a little bit i'm not expecting anything big to happen on the field i mean i guess if this game turns into a blowout one way or the other and it would most likely be the browns blowing out the steelers Maybe something could happen on the field, but I think both these teams are going to come in and be ready to, you know, try and stay disciplined. It's going to be a point of emphasis on both sides. Uh, You know, the Steelers and Mike Tomlin at least has been through some pretty tense environments and, and, you know, some pretty intense rivalry games, uh, playoff games, things like that. So I'm not really expecting a lot on the field unless the game itself gets out of hand might be a little different in the stands that we're watching from the press box. Uh, but I, I think on the field, it's going to get called pretty tight. I think the points of emphasis are going to be keep your cool. We got to win this game. And frankly, I don't think players want to be giving up big chunks of game checks either. Yeah. And I agree with you. Some of this has to do with whether or not Mason Rudolph plays in this football game. That I think is a huge, huge factor. If he does play in this game, then you've got guys like Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, and other Browns players that are going to want some revenge for uh, Miles Garrett saying that Mason Rudolph made a racial slur and set this thing off. And therefore, I think any opportunity they would get to hit him really, really hard, they would take it within uh, within the boundaries of the game, you know, within the whistles, within the lines, and all those sorts of things. Uh, I, I think they would have a little bit extra for Mason Rudolph because of that. It is human nature. They've lost Miles Garrett for the rest of the season. They are standing by him. We saw D. Haslam wear a 95 hat yesterday. Freddie Kitchen sitting up there telling us he's got unwavering support for Miles Garrett. This is a football team that feels like uh, their defense has been compromised, and it all started, they believe, with a racial slur. So if Mason Rudolph plays in the game, it ratchets up the intensity times a thousand. If he doesn't play in the game, I still think that there there's going to be a lot of emotions in this game, in part because. Now, Mike Tomlin's done a really good job of keeping his lip buttoned about certain things, right? He's done a good job of that. He's been around for a long, long time. But you know that the Steelers do not like the fact that the Browns knocked two of their receivers out of that game with concussive hits, helmet-to-helmet hits. There were four hits that were fined in that game. One by Demarius Randall. He was ejected. One by Greedy Williams, he knocked Juju Smith-Schuster out of the game with a helmet-to-helmet hit. Chad Johnson, I mean Chad Thomas, hit uh, Mason Rudolph helmet-to-helmet and drew a roughing call for that. And then Miles Garrett was fined for that last hit. So I don't think that the Steelers are any too happy about all of that. And I think that they feel like it probably cost them the football game. 
And uh, so I, I think that emotions are going to be running very high, especially coming from their defense. Yeah, this feels like uh, a, a baseball situation where a pitcher was, you know, beaming some of the hitters and now the other the opponent's going to be looking for revenge here. That, that really is set up for this. Um, for whatever reason, if you're listening to this and are unsure of why Mason Rudolph may or may not play, um, he was benched on Sunday due to poor play in the third quarter. Um, he had an interception, only, I think, 85 yards passing uh, with eight completions when the, he was taken out. And the Steelers were losing that game to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we were all in the press, press box simultaneously wondering if uh, the Bengals were going to get their first victory of the year. Uh, it was something to follow as uh, the blowout was happening in front of us. Um, rookie quarterback Delvin Hodges came in in relief for Rudolph and rallied the Steelers back. Uh, he only completed five passes but had over 100 yards. Uh, and hit, I believe, uh, James Washington on a like 79-yard touchdown. So it, it really was one big play that uh, Delvin Hodges capitalized on and was able to help Pittsburgh win that football game. But still, the numbers for that game at least say that Delvin Hodges, you know, came in, sparked this team uh, after the game. Mike Tomlin was asked why he made the switch and said exactly that he felt the team needed a spark and provided that. Uh, so quickly, just we already touched on what it means if Mason Rudolph plays. Um, you two have been covering the league for a long time. What's your gut tell you in this situation? When you see a quarterback get benched and then the backup has the result that Delvin Hodges did, is it feeling pretty unlikely we're going to see Mason Rudolph or is the starter going to get his job back here? I would think if, if they went so far as to bench him that uh, you know, they want to see what maybe Devlin Hodges can bring to this team. Uh, you, know, you know, he's played okay. I, I haven't really gone back and watched the games a lot that he's played in, but maybe he can provide a little bit of a spark. You know, going back to something you said, Mary Kay, if Mason Rudolph does play this game, the Browns defenders might want to get after him a little bit and put a hard hit on him, but they also might look at it, going back to that Sheldon Richardson remark, yeah. and say, hit him. Make sure he stays in the game, though. Don't <laughs> don't send him to the sideline. We don't right. want to see Devlin Hodges. Right. We want to see. We want to keep Mason Rudolph out there. I don't know. I mean, this could go either way. I don't know what kind of coach Mike Tomlin is, honestly, as far as this situation goes, because we've never seen it before. He's always had Ben Roethlisberger. So we don't know if he's a guy that's going to be loyal to his starter and say this was a one-time deal, yeah. or if he's going to take this opportunity to, to go to Hodges uh, and let Mason Rudolph sit this one out and see if Hodges can maybe just get hot for a month and get this team where they want to go. Well, I think when you look at Mason Rudolph in his last two games, and we described uh, the Browns game and what happened there and why uh, things kind of went sideways for him in that game, but... He admitted to being distraught during the week by the racial allegations made by Miles Garrett. Uh, so on Thursday, uh, we were hearing from Steelers players that he was distraught. So you're distraught on Thursday. Then you go out and you try to play a football game on Sunday. And he had a rating in the 30s again yeah. for the second straight week. I think Mason Rudolph is so incredibly rattled by this situation. I mean, his whole entire reputation is at stake here. Right. Because if he did what Miles Garrett is saying that he did, you've got a whole entire league against you. I mean, not good in many, many ways and on many levels. And I know for a fact, uh, because I've talked to people close to him, uh, that he he has been very, very upset about this. And I don't know. I mean, I, you know, this is a big decision that right. Mike Tomlin has to make on Sunday. Do you put him back out there against the team that this happened against and he is still probably so rattled? Or do you just say, hey, you got to put on, pull up your big boy pants. Yeah. This is the NFL. And you just have to go out there and you have to be mentally tough and you have to play football. Or, you know, maybe you start him and, and see if maybe he's gotten his head back on straight from this whole thing sure. again a little bit uh, and, and see how it goes. And then you can go, then you can bring Devlin, Devlin Hodges back in again off the bench to give you a spark. Maybe he does better in that situation. It's a tough decision for Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it seems like a, a chicken or the egg thing. Like, Winning cures everything, so put him out there and he can get over these, uh, you know, you don't want to call him yips, but he's clearly not playing good football due to the strenuous situation he's he's in. Um, or do you protect your quarterback in hopes of not losing him going forward? Um, 
Yeah, you know, and again, it's kind of to use another sports analogy. It's almost like a struggling goaltender in hockey or something. Like he's just letting the easy ones in, and he doesn't seem ready. So Mike Tomlin may have to just protect him here. Um, I'm wondering, does does this game, does this rivalry, need Mason Rudolph to play? Is that is that something that will just look? I'm sure the networks, whatever uh, TV has this game, wants Mason Rudolph in. Um, but is there going to be a little taken out of this game if it is Delvin Hodges, or do the playoff implications take care of most of that? I, I think it's going to be a it's a big game regardless. I, mm-hmm. Obviously, Mason Rudolph rat- ratchets things up, but I, I think it's a big game regardless. I do want to go back to the point you were making, Mary Kay. Him being, you know, rattled and and not being himself is another reason to just not play him mm-hmm. because th- this is a Browns team mm-hmm. that is going to know that. Yep. I mean, this is a team that has Demarius Randall, who handed an interception football to Hugh Jackson yeah. last mm-hmm. year. That's a great point. So this team holds grudges. Mm-hmm. They act on those grudges. Yep. And they're going to know if this guy, and, and like you said, they want to go after him for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah. If this guy gets rattled, one incomplete pass, one mm-hmm. interception, one hit, they're going to be on him after every mistake. So, I mean, that's another reason to maybe go with Delvin Hodges. And they will not have their starting center in the football game. Yep, so yeah. when these guys, when Larry Ogunjobi is coming off of his one-game suspension and he's going to have his hair on fire because of his best friend on the team, Miles Garrett, and what he believes was said to Miles, and then you're not going to have Marquise Pouncey in there, uh, you're going to have guys like that. Uh, that are going to be out for some big-time revenge against Mason Rudolph. And, you know, again, I think that uh, that they're going to have to keep a close eye on this game. I saw someone tweet that they've got a second-year official, uh, you know, in charge of the game. Uh, so that that's kind of an interesting twist to this whole thing because I think this is going to take a firm hand yeah. to keep a handle on yep. this. Uh, they're going to have to really, really be careful because, again, like you said, I mean, what if the uh, what if the Steelers decide that they're going to play a little rougher than they normally would, not just against Mason Rudolph, but you know, against Odell or against right. Jarvis, right, or Richard or, or or somebody like that. I mean, it's. Uh, there's so much going on in this game. Yeah, you hope um, the league and these players uh, think bigger than that. But at the end of the day, it, you can't take the raw emotion out of this game. You know, they're they're going to ride with their guys in that locker room, and there's likely some re- revenge brewing. And the last thing Cleveland needs is it to be at the expense of, like you said, Mary Kay, a vicious hit on Odell Beckham Jr. or Jarvis Landry. Um, I'm I'm just curious, either of you answer in your experience covering the NFLs, watching all these games you guys do, um, how when there is this much build up to a, a game like this, how do officials try to uh, police things earlier? Is there going to be communication going on between the officials and both teams? Or is it going to be addressed on the field early, maybe more flags early? How do you see the official crew approaching this? It'll be interesting because this isn't like the NBA where you can kind of, you know, maybe get some whistles early. Sure. You know, I guess, I guess you could throw a holding flag or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, like that's not, that's not going to stop anybody. You know, that's not going to stop any extreme actions, right. I, I think. You know, you might see a little quicker flag on a, a roughing the quarterback, but those come out pretty quickly anyway. Uh, maybe if there's a helmet-to-helmet hit, you know, you might see a quicker flag on that. But even again yesterday, Mac Wilson had that that penalty uh, called against him on, on what looked like a pretty clean hit, at least to the naked eye and, and based on what I've kind of seen since. So I, I don't know what the officials can actually do other than just, you know, make sure they're at the ready, get in there, if they sense anything starting, get in the middle of it, break it up. I'm sure they will send a message to the coaches. I'm sure they'll remind players, stay on your benches. Don't don't come off those benches. I, I don't know if players need reminded after all the fines that were handed out on Saturday. But I, I, th- I think it's going to be more of a communication thing. And I would think that Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have alerted the NFL uh, to the what they felt were four illegal hits that were fined in that game. So I'm sure that that Mike, who's been on the competition committee and all those sorts of things, I I think that they have probably already sent in their feelings to the NFL about this, and therefore, you know, there will be meetings heading into this game, uh, and and it will be discussed. What What I also wonder, will there be extra security at this game? 
Right. Not just like we mentioned before for, you know, the players and things like that, but the fans. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm hearing, you know, I thought Anthony Lima, I think from 92 the fan has been reporting that there are more buses of Cleveland fans going to this game than normal. Um and even just in the stadium yesterday, you heard the anti-Pittsburgh yeah. chants, yep. uh, and and the fan the fans are mad about this. Yep. You know, the I think fans are put, mad. They put Mason's uh, interception up on the the big screen, and the whole place erupted and went crazy for it. So, right. and that was what what got him pulled. So, yeah, Cleveland's ready for this one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I think you know, in addition to keeping an eye or keeping tabs on what's going on on the field, I think. You have to be aware of. I mean, Steelers and Browns fans fight anyway. Right. <laughs> I mean, they fought yeah. before this, so yeah, it could be. It could get interesting. It'll be interesting in the stands. I, I think that's one of the good parts of this game getting moved to one o'clock. Had it been a four twenty-five, that's sure. a little more time for Browns fans to get into the city and a little more. You know, it's a few extra hours of drinking and and all of that before they even get into the stadium. Uh, you, you know, I, I think, like I said, I, I think on the field. I just don't know that I really anticipate much. It will be interesting to see what will happen if the Steelers can get a good shot at Baker Mayfield. That's something to keep an eye on. I think on the field, though, I I don't know how much is going to happen because this is such an important game. And like we've said, the winner of this game is in position to make a run for the postseason. So I don't know how much we'll see there, but it's just going to be in the stands. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what Browns fans are going to encounter when they show up there and and what Steelers fans are going to encounter from Browns fans. You mix in a few hours of tailgating, you just don't know what could happen. And uh, we are taping this on Monday night. Mike Tomlin doesn't speak to the media for the first time of the week until Tuesday. So we don't know yet what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And he might not even make his announcement tomorrow. No, I, I, I would think that he might because you kind of have to get going with your week. Right. And you, got, you have to start your preparations in earnest. So maybe he will announce it tomorrow, whether or not... Mason Rudolph is starting, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dan, like you said, keeping on the field, whenever that first big hit is delivered from whatever side, that place is going to go crazy. So definitely something to watch. Uh, keeping on the field quickly, I, I'm just curious, Mary Kay, you mentioned the Steelers not having Marquise Pouncey, who still has one game uh, to serve on his suspension. Of course, Miles Garrett will not be returning this year. Larry Ogunjobi is back. Uh, but on the field, who do you guys think – uh, is going to be missed more by their respective clubs. Is it going to be Miles Garrett and everything he brings with the pass rush and stopping the run? Uh, I don't know if Miami was the, the best test of what this D-line looks like without Miles Garrett, or will it be the Steelers' offense without Marquise Pouncey? Uh, they rushed for 165 yards against the Bengals. Again, not a good example of what their offensive line probably looks like without Pouncey. But, you know, these are two big-name guys who will not be on the field Sunday. Who do you think is going to be missed more? I think Miles. I mean, you could certainly make a case for Pouncey. I think you make a very convincing case for Pouncey, especially with the way that line has has played this season. But I just think Miles Garrett, what we saw that Thursday night before he hit Mason Rudolph with the helmet, is the guy that got in the backfield a lot. Uh, when I went back and rewatched that game, I saw the left tackle. He got two holds called on the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he was on skates most of the game. Miles was pushing him back, uh, moving Mason Rudolph off his spot, caused some incompletions, set up sacks for other guys. So Miles didn't have a huge game necessarily, but he impacted the game, and that's something he does kind of game in and game out. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can change the way a quarterback plays, especially a young quarterback who, who's just not used to that kind of pressure. So I think it's I think it's Miles, and I think I think we're going to be saying that, you know, until January. Yeah, and um. You know, he, he draws extra attention. You have to chip him. You have to double-team him. He opens things up for other guys uh, so that they can get pressures of their own, so that they can get sacks. I mean, anytime you're taking 10 sacks in the first, uh, you know, whatever, how many ever games was that? Uh, how many games was that that Miles played to get his 10 sacks? <laughs> Would have been 10, right? 10 four games. Six. Um, yes, yeah. six, 10 yeah. games. Okay, so 10 sacks, you know, a sack a game yep. at least. And, uh, you know, anytime you're taking that away. And again, and again that's a, a pretty darn good left tackle in Alejandro, Alejandro Villanueva. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make her do that. That was all her choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just called him the left tackle, so credit to you. <laughs> he's he's a very good left tackle, and you're right. 
Miles was playing with his hair on fire, and, and he was coming after him, and he did have him on his heels. And so, yeah, I, I think the loss of Miles is, is going to be very big in this game. Yeah, and of course, losing Miles is uh, going to be an issue for this team uh, for the entire season. Um, but I do think that for this one game in a must-win situation, the Steelers not having their all-pro center, especially given their quarterback situation being in flux, is going to be an issue that they likely aren't going to be able to overcome. Uh, Marquise Pouncey is arguably one of the best centers in football, um, not only for his play, but you saw how he is a protector and how loyal he is to his guys after what he saw happen to Mason Rudolph and how he responded. Look, you can think there's no place for that in football and sports, and you're probably right, but you know you can – ask any former NFL player that was making the rounds on Twitter or their respective platforms after that happened, they all said that Marquise Pouncey is a guy they would want in their locker room and who everyone's going to rally behind. Uh, I, I was listening to one podcast who said, you know, they should uh, extend him and his signing bonus next year <laughs> should be exactly what his game checks missed for those two or three games. So uh, he is fiercely loyal, incredibly good at his job. And whether it's a rookie under center or Mason Rudolph, uh, the center is – really the second quarterback, if you will, to the quarterback, making the calls, identifying coverages and protections. And there's a lot of uncertainty going on there. So I think the Steelers are going to miss Marquise Pouncey greatly. Uh, they won't be able to hide it like they did against the Cincinnati club. This Browns defense is legit, and that's going to cause them problems. Um, moving to the playoff race, which this game, of course, has huge implications on, um, Again, open the show by saying that really the loser of this game, their playoff chances dropped to single digits. So let's break that down a little bit. Um, the Colts, Raiders, Titans, Steelers, all six and five. Browns, I guess, technically right now on the outside looking in at the second wild card spot at five and six, but really this all can flip with one win. The Bills hold the first wild card spot at uh, eight and three, I mm -hmm. believe. Yep. And it looks like they have a good grasp on that. So. The Browns want this. It's going to be through that second wild card spot. And I guess there's a lot of ways we can go with this. But outside of this, of course, being a must win, let's assume they pick up this victory. Should Cleveland fans start preparing for a real playoff push here? Absolutely, 100% fans should start thinking playoffs. I've been studying all of the AFC teams, and even the Bills at 8-3, and three, mm -hmm. even though that seems wrapped up for the first wildcard spot, they have a tough schedule. Okay. They really still do have a very tough schedule the rest of the way. The Browns, on the other hand, have the easiest yeah. schedule of all these, all these teams in the AFC race for those wildcard spots. The Browns, by far, have the easiest schedule. Why? Because they have two Christmas gifts <laughs> in the form of the Cincinnati Bengals left on their schedule. Yep. Those are gimmies. Those are layups. Even though Andy Dalton has been reinstated yeah. as, as their Good starting point. quarterback, it doesn't matter. They can't win a football game, and they're not going to win. They're certainly not going to beat the Cleveland Browns, who have kind of found their rhythm, especially with Kareem Hunt back. So when I look at these teams, uh, there there are a lot of teams that still have a really, really tough way to go, including the Ravens. Yeah. I actually think, okay, the Ravens are playing tonight. If the Ravens lose this Rams game tonight, they've got the 49ers next week. Right. It's conceivable. It's all good they were. And this could night. be old by the time I say this, by the time you hear this, but I mean they could lose these next two games and the Browns could win their next two games. And the the playoff picture changes drastically. I haven't even ruled the Browns out for winning the AFC North yet. Here we go. Because it could come it's down to It's all still to, possible. It is all still possible. I mean, I, I think that the Browns, of course, they can. There's a few games that they can lose. They're, those two, those two Bengals games are are not included in that. They're winning those games. The games that obviously they could possibly lose would be Steelers at Cardinals and Ravens at home. Mm -hmm. But they are going to be so geeked up for that Ravens game at home. Right. Uh, I, I think the Ravens know now uh, that if they want to keep the Browns away from them, they're going to have to win 11 games. Right. They're going to have to win 11 games and settle this thing and control their own destiny. Because obviously, if the Browns win out and the Ravens are, and they tie the Ravens, they're, they're winning the tiebreaker for head to head. Yep. Uh, I absolutely 100% think the Browns have the 
easiest, cushiest schedule the rest of the way. And if you look at all those other AFC teams, they have a tough road to hoe. Dan, the Browns, Cleveland, Cleveland I, 2019 AFC North champions. I have, I have ruled out the Browns to win the AFC North. Mary Kay and I have had this discussion <laughs> many times. I've ruled them out to win the AFC North. But I agree. I mean, I think they are. they have a clear path to the wild card. And even Buffalo... I, you know, I'm not writing Buffalo in pen at all. Their schedule is actually really hard. I, I just pulled yep, it up. It is. Uh, I got to do it here real quick because I, I pulled up Baltimore's schedule too. But you know, they've got to play Dallas next week mm-hmm. in in. I'm sorry, that's actually Thanksgiving. No, yeah, that's uh, Thanksgiving in game. Dallas, and Dallas is coming off a loss to New England, mm-hmm. and the coach is under fire. They got to win that game, and then if they manage to survive that, they turn around and they play Baltimore the week after that. So that it doesn't get much easier for them, no. and they still have the Patriots on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, and that's not even... week seventeen; that's wow. week sixteen, which makes a big difference yeah. because the Patriots might be fighting with the Ravens for home field advantage. Right. So Buffalo's not a shoe in at this point. And then you get all these a these AFC South teams, uh, the Titans. Uh, the, we got a matchup this week between the um, Titans and I'm blanking on who they play, but you know they've. They're a team that you've got to keep an eye on because, of course, they beat the Browns at the start of the season, and they would have that tiebreaker. But their schedule is, is really difficult, and New Orleans is going to play a role in this because they play the AFC South this year, so Titans, they've got a Colts, couple games. Yeah, Titans, Titans and Colts play, so one of those teams is going to take a loss. Uh, two games against the Texans for the Titans, a game against New Orleans. Like I said, the Saints are weirdly going to play a role in all of this because of, of the way the schedule works. So who knows? I mean, all the Browns have to do is what they've been saying. Go take care of business and see what happens. 10 and 6 gets you in. 9 and 7, I I still think you have a chance to get in. Uh, So even if they were to lose, you know, you don't want to lose this game this week because you still have Baltimore on the schedule, but you can afford to take a loss and and maybe get in. You need a lot of help. But 10 and 6 definitely gets you in. 9 and 7, I think you would still have a chance in this conference. Yeah, I was looking at uh, the New York Times uh, playoff calculator and if they go 10 and 6 their their chances increase to like 98%. Yeah, yeah you book it. <laughs> I mean, and and that doesn't always happen. The Browns went 10 and 6 once before and didn't make the playoffs uh, because of the tri- tiebreaker situation. Uh, but they they really really can absolutely 100% do this. And the surprising and almost shocking thing about it is that if they do it, they would be the first team to go to to start two and six since division realignment in two thousand and two, and we're talking about sixty four teams that have come before them have not done it. They would be the first team to start two and six since then and make the playoffs. But because of the way the schedule is set up for them and everyone else, it's entirely possible and doable. And I'm starting to think probable. But the the problem too, though, is they're still, you know, they won yesterday, but they didn't change anything in the standings. They're still they still got four teams between them and that sixth wild card, so they still need a lot of things to happen. So while sure. they have the easiest path and they can get to ten and six, you know, Oakland can get to ten and six too. Buffalo can get to ten and six. Uh, you know, Tennessee could maybe get to ten and six. Indianapolis could get to ten and six. There's you know, the Browns have the easiest schedule. Some of these teams can can win some of these games, though. So it, it's it's hard when you have to jump over a whole bunch of teams to get there. And that's still where the Browns are. Uh, but again, look, they win against Pittsburgh, get to 6-6, six and six, see what happens with these other teams. And playoff race starts Thanksgiving. That's, that, how, that's how the NFL yeah, works. That, yeah. Titans, that loss to the Titans in, in, in week one might end up looming very, very large. That's a great point. But, you know, whenever I, when I look at all the rest of the schedules – you know, I don't see a team that is very easily going to get to 10 victories. Now, the Bills can get to 10 victories, but I mean, aside from them, the next set of the six win teams, I don't see one in there where it's just like, oh, yeah, they're obviously going to get to 10 wins. No, there there are some very, very tough games coming up for almost all of those teams yeah if the browns if the browns win sunday at one Mm -hmm. uh get by your fireplace or wherever you watch these games and watch that oakland at kansas city game yeah because if oakland gets by that 
Now things kind of loosen up a little for them. They've got Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Chargers, and Broncos. So that you know they've got a, a better chance to maybe get to a spot where they could could beat out the Browns. And I don't know what the tiebreakers would be if it was like Oakland and the Browns tied. I yeah couldn't tell you all that. That goes too but, deep for um, right now. Yeah, but that's, that's that's sort of what you're looking at. We're we're going week by week here. I I agree with you that even though we consider this to be a must win game against the Steelers, they can still make the playoffs. Sure. If they lose this game, they just would have to win all of the rest of them, right. including Baltimore at home, which so many people you know, think, oh, the, the Ravens are playing so well, they're going to win that game. I, I just don't know. It I, might just be a good matchup for the Browns. I, it might be a good matchup. I mean, their defense is playing better now. Right. They've got Marcus Peters. They have Brandon Williams back that he didn't play in that game. Yep. They've got Jimmy Smith back. The Browns don't have Miles Garrett. Yeah. So things, are, things have changed since then. Right. Uh, but Kareem Hunt is back as well. Uh, things have changed for both sides, and it's a home game. And that is going to be an electric atmosphere that night. Yeah, no doubt. And it it sounds like, Mary Kay, that uh, the Browns are on the cusp of uh, some positive football history here. I mean, from afar, my gut tells me this hasn't happened, but you guys can tell me um, the Browns sweeping the Steelers or even, as you proposed, Mary Kay, Sweeping the entire AFC North. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to that would have to be two historic moments for yes. Cleveland, right? Yes. I don't know when the last time they swept the AFC North was. I haven't even looked that up. Uh, it's has it ever happened? Right. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I have to go. I'd have to. Well, because the AFC North didn't even show division, up until yes, like 2002. Of, exactly. No, it, it's it's never. You're right. No, yeah, it's never happened. It hasn't happened since then. So yeah. uh, for sure, that's that has never happened. So yes, it would be a historic season. And all kinds of things would happen. Now, Dan's probably thinking, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. (laughs) Because actually, they could go into Pittsburgh and lose this game. And the way that they could possibly lose this game is by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense playing lights out. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't, you know, they didn't do all the things that they had been doing in this game. They didn't get the interceptions. Uh, They didn't get the takeaways. They didn't get... Uh, you know, they didn't force the Browns into some of the mistakes uh, that the Browns had been making. Yep. So if the Steelers are going to win this game, that's the that's the way they're going to do it. Because I think their offense, uh, unless Devlin Hodges, and I haven't watched film on him yet, I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't really studied him or really even looked into him too right. much yet. Not many have, don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just have a hard time believing that of course we said the same thing about Brandon Allen right, when we went exactly. to Denver and that's before. another loss that could haunt you right but you know I'm just not feeling it for Devlin Hodges okay yeah. I'm just not <laughs> feeling him beating the Cleveland Browns and we and we know that Heinz Field is just the house of horrors for right. this football team I mean coaches right. get fired and it, there's just something about that place right the, the classic rock soundtrack and that's that song they play when they run the defense video in the fourth quarter and it's just they play that horn or whatever on third downs (laughs) and it's just it's it is an overwhelming experience and and it's a place that has just been a horrible horrible place for the Cleveland Browns over the years oh my gosh I mean all those years of Ben Roethlisberger you know you think he's (laughs) down for the game and then he comes back in off the bench and all the all the things that have happened over there you're right it's just it's Absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, this could be a turning point to bring this rivalry back to, uh, you know, to what it used to be and, uh, you know, put the Browns sort of back on the map in the NFL. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And whether it's Mason Rudolph or Delvin Hodges, they're going to have to deal with Joe Schobert, who is playing the best football of his career right now. He's got a a back-to-back games of two interceptions uh, I'd love a, a stat about <laughs> the last uh, middle linebacker to do that. Um, but he's been all over the field, like I said, with the two interceptions, 15 tackles in two games. Uh, he's playing not only the best football of his career, but some of the best defensive football in the league. Uh, Mary Kay, if I could just probe you on this quickly, um, where do you see this season? What does it mean for Joe Schorbert in an important season with contract negotiations looming? And do you think this is all but shirt up that he'll be a Brown long-term? Well, he's helped himself. He has certainly helped himself over the past couple of weeks with those kind of plays. Anytime you can create turnovers, and we heard Freddie Kitchens talk about that with Denzel Ward today on the yeah, conference call. Yep. When he was asked about Denzel, he was like, okay, now I need him to get some takeaways. Now now he needs some interceptions. He doesn't have any yet in seven games this season. When you pick 
when you pick a cornerback number four overall, you want to get some of those kind of plays. But in the meantime, Joe Schobert is acting like a defensive back and, yep. and getting uh, and getting some of those takeaways. And he's being in the right place at the right time. And he'll need to continue to do that uh, to make up for some of the uh, injuries and deficiencies on this defense right now. Yeah, I think coming into the season, it was sort of like, what's going to happen with Joe Schobert? Because he drafted two linebackers, a third rounder and a fifth rounder. You know, we knew that Christian Kirksey uh, maybe wasn't going to be long for this team with his contract situation after this year. Joe Schobert was headed for free agency. And Joe Schobert has just sort of done what he's supposed to do. He's you know, again, we've got a whole nother, a whole new defensive coaching staff that talks about the same things that the old defensive coaching staff talks about him. He's smart. He's a quarterback on the field. Uh, he's shown a nose for the football. I, I thought I actually thought last year, even though he missed a bunch of tackles, and that's been an issue still this year. I thought last year he played better than during his Pro Bowl year. I had some questions about him during his Pro Bowl year, but I, I thought last year we started to see him make more of a difference in the backfield, force turnovers, and that's continued this year. Ellis, I think you tweeted it yesterday. Somebody's going to pay Joe Schober. Yeah. You know, is it going to be the Browns? We'll find out because they've got some big money coming up down the road. So they're going to have to really kind of think that contract through a little bit. Uh, but he's he certainly has made his case. He definitely has. And at a time when you have lost Morgan Burnett to a torn Achilles, when you're without Miles Garrett for the rest of the season, when you've been without Olivier Vernon, and you've had some of these other issues – on your defense, you need somebody to step up like that and show up and and grab it and put yourself on film. And he's done that. And he plays he plays every snap. Yeah, that's the other thing too. You know, certainly guys get hurt. It's football. It happens. But Joe Schobert has just been Mister Reliable for this team. He's out there every single game. Uh, he plays every snap. They missed him a little bit last year when when he had the the hamstring injury, and you could tell on the defense when Joe Schobert was in there and when he wasn't in there. Uh, so, so he's certainly a, a difference maker. If he's not forcing turnovers, he's, he's a difference maker in how he kind of handles that mic position. Yep, the former Badger is uh, playing his best football in a contract year. Really couldn't break any better for him right now. Listeners, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to your football insider questions, so stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams. Joined, as always, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, beat writers here. Before we get into your football insider questions, here's Mary Kay to tell you about how you can get signed up. For about $3.99 a month, again, just about the cost of a caramel macchiato or something like that, your favorite drink, uh, you can get so much from us, some extra stuff that you're just not going to get anywhere else on the site. Every day, one of us, whether it's Ellis, Scott Patsko, Dan, me, uh, Doug Maurice, we come up with some kind of content that we give only to you, whether it's statistics, analysis, a video, we answer questions. Uh, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is uh, the text that you will receive from me one or two t times a day, just about various, you know, different things, thoughts on uh, such as the situation that happened with Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, um, maybe I'll comment on an injury, different things like that, that, you know, you can take to the water cooler because you kind of heard it first. So all of this for $3 and 99 cents a month, all you need to do is click on the blue banner at the top of cleveland.com slash Browns. That simple sign up, subscribe, and you can get your questions on here. Like this first question from the three, three zero area code asking, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think there could be a silver lining in all the controversy that's happened over this season? The Browns came in with a lot of hype and a lot of swagger to start the year. It didn't happen. Will this keep them more humble and grounded moving forward? Perhaps they will let their actions on the field speak for themselves in the future. You know, I do think that controversy and uh, adversity can pull a team together. And uh, sometimes it can energize you, galvanize you. And I think in this case, it may have that effect to just help them get over the hump uh, for this playoff push that they're in right now. And after the last game, they started to splinter a little bit. Yeah. And Joel Batonio stepped in, uh, you know, gave a speech about staying together and teamwork and all that sort of thing. And I think that that made a very, very big difference. I talked to a number of players in the locker room about that. 
and they felt that uh, that voice of reason from Joel helped them realize that they need to be a family. They need to be a team. And, and I think it went a long way towards that. Uh, first of all, shout out 330, area code. Love it. Akron area. Um, <laughs> oh, See, I should know these <laughs> things. I'm new to the area. so that, that's, that's okay. That's all right. You'll figure it out. Yeah, so uh, I kind of what Mary Kay said, I think it'll have that effect. As far as the other part of this, you know, will they be more more humble and more grounded moving forward? I just don't think that's in this team's DNA, if we're being honest. I, I think it's sort of what makes them who they are. And, and I think if this team is going to go on a run, it's going to be being who they are. I mean, anybody who watched that game yesterday when they're, they're ringing up 41 points and yeah. still throwing the football late in the game and, uh, you know, Odell and Jarvis are dancing and Jarvis is barking like a dog <laughs> in, in front of a camera and... That's just who this football team is, and I think you have to be who you are if you're going to make this run. That you know, we know about Baker and the chip on his shoulder. That's always the story with him. I don't think that you know we they might be a little quieter in the off season than they were, you know, last mm-hmm. off season. But I think these guys are going to be who they are, and and that's ultimately what's going to help them possibly become the first team to one of the first teams to go from two and six to the playoffs. They they kind of need that a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like they got pushed off the deep end and that has now grounded them. You know, there's no more of the, uh, you know, Odell Beckham getting choked or Baker Mayfield going back and forth with, with Rex Ryan. There's no, no more of this outside noise despite the controversy growing to the, the biggest it's been all season. It's it's almost as if they they said enough is enough. They, they grew up and matured. And I, listen, I, I understand this can all fall apart uh, with one loss and we're, we're talking about a, a win against a pretty bad football team but it, it it does feel a little different right now in this locker room would you not agree well you know I think the Browns and I tried to get at this a little bit yesterday I think they're starting to uh, discover that pick your poison thing that yeah, they were going point. to have uh, back in training camp now that Kareem Hunt is here uh, I think he opens up so many different things for the offense and uh, now when you've got those two guys back there in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, there's so many different options, so many different things you can do with them. It opens things up for Odell. I'm seeing Odell being uh, just in one-on-one coverage even more lately than he had been in the past. And, um, and so I think they are at that point now where they can have a little bit of that Jarvis swagger and that Odell swagger. Uh, those guys, I mean, they, they know what they are. And, Boy, what can you say about how well Jarvis has been playing? I, I think, too, and, and I actually asked Joel Batonio about this after the game a little bit. This team's schedule was so front-loaded, and not just right. front-loaded with good teams, oh, but yeah. front-loaded with elite, like the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Yep. You, you look at the teams that they had to play, and it's really hard to find yourself offensively. If you have to come out of the gates, you know, look, you can't really excuse what happened against Tennessee and and. You know, the Jets, actually, the Jets are a better defense than I think people give them credit for. They just destroyed Oakland. It's hard to find yourself offensively when you're going against uh, the Patriots and the 49ers and even the Broncos and and some of these defenses that are among the top in the league. And I think yesterday was sort of a chance for this offense to catch its breath Mm -hmm. and just go out there and be more talented and do some of the things they wanted to do. Because they didn't get that luxury early in the season. I think that's sort of along with Kareem Hunt coming back. That's why they're kind of finding themselves a little bit now. And not only that, Freddie Kitchens needed to find himself. He wasn't ready uh, for that first part of the season. He wasn't ready with the identity of this offense. He wasn't ready as a play caller yet. He didn't know exactly. He didn't have the plan in place to all of a sudden be hit with that lineup of teams in the beginning of the season. And then you had other things going on, like Antonio Callaway being suspended, Rashard Higgins. I mean, you you know, David Njoku. You know, you had some other issues like that, some offensive line things that happened. Uh, But I just think that, you know, Freddie has been on a learning curve, and he has sort of figured out who he is over these last few games. In college football, there's a reason that the powerhouse teams schedule cupcake cupcake games games one two and sometimes three you need to find your footing figure yourself out and like dan said beat up on a lesser talented team so you prepare yourself for your division or conference play and it doesn't work like that in the nfl and though there's four preseason games there's not a whole lot going on there you know just to be quite honest so they and then when you get exposed 
Um, even a de- defense like Tennessee, look, it's been documented how difficult and really just the talent of defensive individual players and overall units that the Browns faced early. So I think that's exactly what beating Miami was. And though it came to start the second half of the season, it still was much needed, and now they likely will be better off for it. Uh, switching gears here, the next question from uh, 216. I know that's Cleveland. See, so I'm learning. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, this inside, this subscriber asks, Greg Robinson seems to have settled down. Has he improved or is it a drop-off in competition? Also, will he be brought back next year? Uh, so when you hear those things, just quickly, Mary Kay, your thoughts. You know, I think it's a little bit of all of the above. Yeah. You know, I think he's playing better. I think the competition hasn't been what it was in the first half of the season, as we have been saying. And... Uh, and I think he'll look even better against, you know, the Bengals than he did against some of the other teams that they have played. Uh, so he'll be he'll get by through the the second half of the season. They just have to decide, is he their left tackle of the future or do they want to go out and draft one perhaps in the first round of the draft? So uh, I would think maybe he will be brought back next year, maybe not as a starter, maybe competition. Interesting. Uh, but he's in the last year of his contract that pays him $6.4 million. And so they have to make some decisions on him financially. I think, um, yeah, I I wouldn't want to go into next year with Greg Robinson as your starter like they did this year. I think you want to invest some draft assets in that position or put some money towards that position in free agency. I just think they need to go out and find somebody. And and John Dorsey understands that. His first draft pick in Kansas City was a left tackle. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one overall, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think he understands putting draft assets, putting draft capital into fixing that position. I think he knows he's got his franchise quarterback. He wants to do everything he can to protect him. You've got some other nice pieces on that line. You just extended J.C. Treader. Joel Batonio signed an extension not that long ago. Uh, so I think you've got some pieces that, that you like. So now go out and supplement that with a, a first-round pick that you didn't have last year and see if you can, can sign kind of shore that up for the next 5, 10 years. Yeah, I think there'd be cause for concern if Greg Robinson is – Still, your starting left tackle to start in next year, but uh, you know, seeing him play as he has has definitely been something the Browns def- desperately needed. You know, after his benching, you know, that feels like neons ago, but mm-hmm. it, 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 he was benched, uh, you know, kick, ejected from the uh, opening game, all those things. So, it's definitely been brighter days recently for Greg Robinson. Uh, our last insider question here coming from four one two, which I believe is Pittsburgh. I got a buddy out there, so. Um, not that this is him, I don't think, but 412 area code, uh, simply asking, why is the Browns defense stellar in the first half and then suffers a major meltdown in the second half? I'm, I'm not sure if this uh, question is talking about season as a whole or just the Miami game. I'll answer it in the course of the Miami game. Um, it, as for the last touchdown they scored, uh, similar to the Ravens game, you know, these defenses, they just play light towards the end of the game. You want to get out of there without injury your coverages are 15 yards off you're they can get down the field pretty quickly and then it comes down to a couple of red zone plays where effort levels don't match so i would excuse those a couple of those last drive touchdowns i understand that the fitzpatrick uh scoring drive really was it 17 unanswered mm-hmm. yeah you know yep. so that 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 is concerning the, the browns definitely have some things to clear up just watching the tape um they're having some issues with rub routes as as most teams do uh greedy williams got picked off a couple times um and one thing that remains concerning with this Browns defense is in close, they just keep giving up these r- rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. These scrambles up the middle, they're, um, it's tough to tell which ones were designed, which ones weren't. The, the Fitzpatrick one on Sunday definitely weren't, wasn't. Uh, the Russell Wilson one earlier and Josh Allen both may have been. But there's just a glaring open in the middle of the field when teams get, I think Wilson's rush was 16 yards. Um, So really the red zone is where these teams are able to just put their quarterback up the middle and a drop back and run. I think that's concerning going forward, not necessarily versus a guy like Lamar Jackson because you're ready for everything he does, mm-hmm. but just a, it's going to be a, another back-breaking play versus a quarterback you don't expect it from potentially down the road here. Uh, maybe a guy like Kyler Murray who mm-hmm. can run, but that's a you know, guy who's going to take off up the middle and score that touchdown. So I would say that's concerning. It was a great ball across the middle that Fitzpatrick threw on the first touchdown. So I understand this insider subscriber's concerns. Uh, when you're playing with a lead like that, defense does get tough at times. And when the Browns are scoring quickly, too, it just means your defense is on the field mm-hmm. more. But 
this defense is definitely not out of the, the uh, in the clear after a, a win against Miami. Uh, but they're, they've got the right foot in front of them. Well, you have to make defensive adjustments too, and that's one thing to watch is that you just have to uh, try to figure out how Steve Wilkes is doing with those defensive adjustments when the offense is adjusting to you and right. doing something different. Then you have to counterattack. So that's one thing to watch. Um, and then the other thing is the Browns just they need to close out. They need to just learn how to finish. Yep. You know, you when you have a team on the ropes like that, you can't let them score 17 unanswered points. Right, right. Uh, you, you know, you've really got to, uh, you know, just put it away and not let that happen. And we've seen uh, even uh, the Steelers, the Browns went seven possessions where they either punted or missed two field goals. Yeah. And they let the Steelers close to 14-7. to seven. Right. It's because it's a complete, you know, it's not just the defense we're talking about here. It's right. The whole team needs to finish. Exactly. So as a team, they need to learn to put teams away right. when they build a lead. That's a great point. I think there's some complimentary football, too. That's mm-hmm. a coach speak that we hear all the time, and we heard it from Freddie today on, on his conference call. There's some complimentary football, and I was curious about this today, so I, I looked. The Browns in the second half, uh, a half that they came out and led 28-3, to three, ran 16 times in the second half and threw 16 times in the second half. And, and to me, you know, I'm looking at their drive charts. There weren't really any long drives that they put together. Uh, there was a three minute and four, there was a five minute, 33 second drive that ended in the missed field goal. Uh, and another one that was over three and a half minutes, but everything else was shorter. And to me, when you've got that lead, help your defense out a little bit and, and pound the football a little more. You don't have to go 1960s-style football and, and run every single play. You can still be aggressive and still throw. But I just think that offensively, from a play-calling standpoint, that's a criticism that I would have of Freddie coming out of this game is help your defense out and eat some clock up, especially when you get into that fourth quarter. And the Browns did have a time of possession edge in the fourth quarter, but it was just because they had the ball so much. Uh, they were getting the ball back so much from Miami. Get some long drives put together. Use these two running backs you have and, and run that clock a little bit to help your defense out when, when you're up that big coming out of the locker room. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be key with this rematch against the Steelers. Um, we're going to get out of here pretty soon. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week, so no life on the beat, really. Just life on the beat. It's, as I said, Thanksgiving coming up. We're all looking forward to spending time with our families. Uh, what's cooking? We have uh, some Easter eggs coming up for you guys I'll be working on. Uh, uh, who is uh, Ben Snell, a rookie running back? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers featured on Sunday. He had 21 carries, nearly 100 yards. Uh, Cleveland should expect to see a lot of him on Sunday. I'll break down uh, the type of running back he is and what he brings. Very quickly before we go, uh, again, it's only Monday. We usually don't do our predictions till Friday, but here we are. So quickly, uh, just your gut feeling, where do you see this game headed? I'm going to pick the Browns. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a tough thing to do to come back and play this team, but I think the Browns are playing really well. I think they're confident. Uh, I think this is this is a great test for Freddie Kitchens and, and his message to this football team. If they get it, if they get that message, they're going to go and they're going to win that football game and, and they're going to have a, a fast track to the postseason perhaps. You know, again, we don't know who's starting a quarterback yet, and I don't know very much about Devlin Hodges. I don't know if Juju Smith-Schuster is going to play in this game or if James Conner is even going to play in this game. Uh, So there are a lot of unknowns in that regard, but I think that the Browns beat that offense up so badly in that game and and rattled them so much. I don't know that they can come out and and score a bunch of points against the Browns. So – I think I'm going to go with the Browns this game. Again, I think the only way that the Steelers are going to win this is if you get really big games and turnovers from the Joe Haydens, the yeah. Minka Fitzpatricks, uh, you know, the Cam Haywards. I mean, these guys are really going to have to play over the moon uh, to try to get this one done. Yeah, I think we're looking at two football teams trending in different directions here since their Thursday night meeting. Uh, the Steelers are now in a quarterback limbo while the Browns have seemed to find themselves. So I'm leaning Browns. No score yet, but so far all three of us think the Browns will take care of business and continue this playoff push. So that's all we have, everyone. Uh, We appreciate you listening, as always. Uh, For Ellis Williams, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, thank you for listening, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Take care.